since 2015, we've been hearing something along the lines of beverages are about to take off and a prediction that makes sense with cannabis kind of gaining ground as an acceptance and alternative to alcohol. The substitution of cannabis for alcohol has become popular with the term Cali sober popping up to describe the behavior as consumers look to replace alcohol. What better way to do that than with infused beverages? But we're going to take a look at some data here, a report from Headset, looking at predictions that haven't really panned out over the last five years. Beverage market share has maintained about 1% of total recreational cannabis sales, with sales to the category roughly at the same pace as the total market. So today, we're going to take a look at a long line of some bullish reports on beverages between advancements in infusion technology and the myriad of new brand catering to the occasional low-dose consumer. There's a lot of reason to believe in the growth potential of infused beverages. So this report provides an understanding of where beverages have been, where the category stands today, and where we believe it's going. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Going to take a look at a report from Headset on beverages. So we can see in the U.S. beverage category market share has held steady uh, between 0.85 percent and 1.1 percent of the last several years. So market share to the category is slowly decreasing through late 2019 and and early 2020 before maintaining just below 0.9 percent during the beginning of uh, the pandemic. However, the category has been regaining ground since the third quarter of 2020 and looks to be well positioned to reach an all-time high as U.S. reopens post-pandemic. Beverages are really expensive by comparison to other edibles, which is probably why there's a decrease in the amount um, of consumers buying them is because the value isn't quite there. They don't even have infused coffee. It's too expensive. Uh, Washington State, home of Starbucks, has no coffee. Portland does to a degree, but it's you know $12 to $17 for a 12-ounce cup of coffee that's infused. So not really something that you're going to buy on the regular when you can just get a cheaper edible um, you know, $10 for hundred milligrams. So I think that as soon as we can kind of see beverages decrease in price, along with the FDA allowing for CBD infused beverages, I like that one-to-one CBD to THC ratio, but we're gonna have to see a lot of uh, regulations and changes and a decrease in price. Um, maybe even full federal legalization It's really, beverages are the most difficult product to sell, one of the most competitive with the smallest margins. And so it's not the same as just making a candy bar. So until you can cross uh, state lines, I don't think you're going to see a proliferation of cannabis drinks um, because it's just too expensive to do the same way that you can cultivate flour or make, you know, gummy bears, just way too expensive. And so you saw kind of companies going away with CBD after the FDA started implementing some rules. Um, Not good for the industry, but maybe there'll be a rebound. So I mentioned that Canada's market share to beverages surpassed the U.S. in less than half a year, stabilizing around 1.5% of total cannabis sales. So now we're going to look at um, a basket penetration of beverages by month. So we can interpret that if there's 100 total cannabis transactions, how many contained a beverage? So that trend in Canada looks similar to the previous market share graph. So it was rising quickly through the first half of 2020, stabilizing late summer. 
and then that's around four and a half percent of baskets. So it's not a lot, um, you know, less than five percent are purchasing uh, beverages versus, you know, how many people were per- produce or purchasing edibles uh, last year at the beginning of the pandemic was was a phenomenal rate. Uh, but they're not doing that with beverages. A lot of people pushed off topicals and tinctures and went straight to the edibles when the work from home kind of came in the lockdown. Uh, but beverages really didn't see a lot of that still at around 5%. So basket penetration uh, trend in the U.S. on the other hand looks different from what we're seeing uh, in the category market share. So we could see a relatively steady march upwards over time rising from 1.6% in January of 2018 uh, to 2.8% in February 2021. So even though the market share hasn't drastically increased, beverages are making their way into more and more baskets each month, indicating that more customers are trying THC-infused beverages. But again, it all boils down to price and convenience. So the prices still remain high. They're just not going to have the volume and uh, that they that they need to be an every day or even every week uh, purchase. So, how many people consume beverages in the U.S.? Looking at the bullish attitudes towards beverages, we can look at the proportion of customers who purchase at least one beverage within the last four calendar years. So, here we can see that there's a 10% increase in the rate of purchase from 2019 to 2020. So if that growth remains consistent, then at least 7% of customers this year will purchase a beverage. So with less than three months of 2021 in the books at the time of this podcast, the fact that 5.4% of customers have already purchased from the beverage category indicates that a strong positive trajectory for that category. Let's take a look at what else is in a basket with beverages as people buying that. What else are they buying? So in general, uh, looking at beverages purchasing trends, we can see that the attachment rate for all other categories to beverage baskets in 2020 edibles, for example, they're present in more than a third of beverage baskets, indicating that they're frequent ingestible customers who are looking for multiple non-inhalable options in the same purchase. Also notable is the fact that only about 23% of total beverage baskets contain only beverages. So that indicates that beverages are still often an add-on purchase rather than a uh, solo trip purchase. So let's look at who's actually buying them and which demographic group purchases THC-infused beverages. The short answer is everyone, but of course, that's not the whole story. So this graph is showing that sales index to beverages across age groups and genders. The index is a value that compares the demographic group's wallet share to beverages to the overall market share of the category. So if the index value is greater than 100, then that means that the group uh, spends relatively more on average. So we could see that within every age group, female customers are more likely to spend relatively more on beverages than their male counterparts. And in fact, Gen Z females are the only female group to under-index that category. Gen Z males spend more on beverages, while millennial and Gen X males only slightly under-index in that category. So what type of beverages are most popular Uh, To help understand what types of beverages are becoming more or less popular, we can evaluate the trends in sale shares by serving size or dosage. So it appears that consumer preference is solidifying around two distinct options, 100 milligram THC for maximum potency or 10 milligram serving for a microdose. 
So most of the growth in the 10 milligrams or lighter section over the last few years has come from zero to five milligram microdosing of beverages, which has risen 14.5% uh, to more than 18% of sales this year to date. And that's definitely a growing trend. There's a lot of individuals who want five milligrams. They want something that's going to be uh, very relaxing, but not something that's going to be too psychoactive. They don't necessarily want to get high. They just want to relax a little bit. So uh, we're seeing popularity in pre-rolls go down to like a quarter of a, a gram, a third of a gram versus, you know, what everyone thought, which would be the full one gram and infused and everything else. They're finding that people want less and less of that. So um, there's hardcore, you know, smokers like myself who would prefer, you know, a five or seven gram. <laughs> a can of gar, uh, but we're not the majority. The majority of people just want something real quick, uh, real microdose, uh, and we're going to see a lot more of that. Let's look at some packaging trend sizes. As you know, I just mentioned, we're, we're kind of getting smaller and smaller packaging. So between Washington, California, some of those, uh, some of these states are trendsetters. Um, in fact, we see a lot of stuff leaving California, like strains or products and getting popularized in Colorado about six months later. And then six months after that, they kind of hit the rest of uh, these regulated markets. So it's kind of important to take a look at who's leading those trends, what those trends are, um, which is all the more important why these reports uh, can bring some value. So looking at beverage sales trends, we can include sales from a lot of different markets. So we're going to look at some beverage trends that include sales from multiple states, examining 2020 sales shares to various beverage package sizes between two distinct markets being California and Washington state. So the dominance of 100 milligram products in Washington market immediately stands out. There's nine out of $10 spent on beverages going to a hundred milligram product. And there isn't a lot of room for anything else. So, so it could indicate a tremendous opportunity for Washington beverage brands. As in contrast, sales to products of 12 milligrams or less make up more than a third of California beverage market. That's interesting. I'd want to know how much that they're able to manufacture with a low milligram. But a lot of people think that they can buy a hundred milligram soda and then just cap it off when they're done. They're probably going to pay the same amount. The bottle costs the same. The water costs the same. And to be honest with you, the, the milligrams of THC are just uh, a fraction of the cost. So I can't imagine that the average retail consumer would want less milligrams for the same price. They would want to just cap that off and then consume the rest of it later. But, um, you know, the stats here show that California likes their low dose edibles or beverages. I just want to know how much they're actually paying for those. All right. So let's dive in a little bit closer to that diverse California beverage market, highlighting some of the sales that seven brands have broken into the categories top three by sales over the last couple of years. Uh, the purple graph shows the total sales of all other brands in California combined. So the incredible growth over the previous years can't be ignored. California beverage sales in January 2020 alone got $15.5 million. That's nearly six times greater than the $2.7 million recorded during January 2018 in the first months of recreational sales. And also worth noting that there's been an overall decrease in brand consolidation over the years. So in 2018, 32% of sales went to the top three cannabis brands. But in 2020, 
only 22% of sales went to the top three brands. Um, so that's good. There's been a, a less amount of consolidation. So there's either more companies or, you know, still the same amount of companies, but producing more brands. That's what's happening in Washington State. We have the most brands out there, uh, but they're parent companies. We don't have a lot of parent companies. They're just creating more brands out there. So the perception is that there's a lot of brands. The reality, not so much. So could be indicating an increase in diversity playing field as brands uh, develop products that resonate with different types of beverage consumers, which is more than likely what's happening is they're just uh, creating different brands for marketing purposes. So if we remove the sales to other brands from the chart, we can closely evaluate the performance of the top players in the California market over the last few years. We can see some brands like Kikiko, Cannabis Quencher, they've maintained relevancy over time despite ceding market share to new brands who entered the market. Legal Beverages, on the other hand, were unable to keep up or falling uh, from third top-selling beverages brands uh, to exiting in 2020, which is surprising because that's the only beverage company that makes soda in Oregon is Mirth Provisions or Legal Soda. Um, they must have something going on with, with them where they're not able to keep up uh, and or they've been in the game so long they know that they can't continue to lose money like these other companies might be doing just to gain that market share. So something's going on with uh, with beverages, but like I mentioned, it's incredibly competitive, low margins and companies uh, but I had first mover advantages like Mirth Provisions had to completely get out of the fifth largest economy in the world. So not a good sign. We just have to kind of see what happens. There's also some other success stories. Laguntas Brewing Company has uh, infused THC. Keef Cola, uh, local brand, they're doing really well with um, marketing. I think they're, they've got some brands in, or they have product in uh, Nevada as well. Let's see what they're having to price beverages in order to kind of get away with staying in the market uh, and not having to exit like Mirth Provisions did. So we're going to look month by month at the top three California beverage brands for total market average price and see that the brand, uh, Keep Cola, for example, they're offering a value price product only slightly above market average versus Can that has a price that's almost eight times higher than the average their two milligram THC social tonics are typically sold in six packs for a few dollars more than the average price of a hundred milligram beverage. Hard seltzer is seeing a, a huge resurgence. Um, Budweiser and everyone else is kind of coming out with that. Paps Blue Ribbon, they launched a five milligram seltzer in California. Uh, and so it looks like they're trying to get into the uh, cannabis infused wines as well. So beverages are a pretty unique category within the cannabis industry. And so as we described, beverages sales tend in the U.S. and Canada are found unique differences uh, within different markets and brands. So um, just trying to keep track of cannabis brands in the industry as well as other categories and market data. So some key takeaways, recommendations, whatnot, cannabis beverages shares held fairly steady in the U.S. over the last several years, but uh, increases in basket penetration and customer trial rates indicate a promising future for the category as long as you can survive and have enough cash to do that. Uh, beverages are still very much an add-on purchase and um, often in baskets with other product formats, so it should be positioned as uh, as such. 
retailers should be considered placing them close to the register for easy cross-selling, just like in grocery stores, all those beverages are at the very end caps of the, uh, the register on purpose for the same reason. Consumer preferences toward beverages and less split by demographics than some other categories. So beverages relatively more popular among females and Gen X consumers might want to target towards them. Beverage market increasingly consolidating in two product types, either high dose or low dose. (laughs) And then individual state markets are still prepared by the reality of federal prohibition and can be uh, incredibly different from one another. Two out of the three top brands in California finding success in microdose products uh, and alcohol replacement. And then hard seltzer segment, seeing a lot of growth in the past few years. So all your other beverage trends, you got to come back to the Talking Hedge and find out. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.